السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يدلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن سيدنا محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد All praise and thanks is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Peace and salutations upon Muhammad ibn Abdullah. Salawatullahi wa salamuhu alayhi. Peace and salutations upon his family, upon his friends, and upon all those who try to emulate him until the end of times. Alhamdulillah, in tonight's lesson we'll be starting with hadith number 7. وعن أبي وعن أبي هريرة عبد الرحمن بن صخر رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إن الله لا ينظر إلى أجسامكم ولا إلى صوركم ولكن ينظر إلى قلوبكم وأعمالكم رواه مسلم This hadith is narrated by Abu Huraira radiyallahu an, whose name was Abdurrahman ibn Sakhar. So he says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that Allah azza wa jal does not look at your figures nor at your attire but he looks at your hearts and that which you accomplished. So this hadith, my beloved Brothers and sisters, it alludes to the following verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yani in Surah Hujrat, verse number 13, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses mankind and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, Ya Yuhannas, O mankind, Inna khalaqnakum min dhakari wa untha, that indeed we have created you from a male and a female. وَجَعَلْنَاكُمْ شُعُوبًا And that we have made you into nations وَقَبَائِلْ And into tribes. And the reason that we've made you into nations and tribes لِتَعَارَفُوا So that you may know one another. إِنَّ أَكْرَمَكُمْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ أَتْقَاكُمْ And indeed, the most noble and honorable of you by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is those that possesses the taqwa. Inna Allah alimun khabir. And indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is alimun. He's all-knowing and he's khabir. So ya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Explaining to us in the Quran that He's created us as human beings. And this surah, Surah Hujarat, there is a lot. It starts off with, Ya ladina amanu. Oh, you who believe. But when it comes to this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He changes the seerah to, Oh, mankind. Not specifically to the believing males and not specifically to the believing females. But mankind in general. Oh human beings. 
that indeed you have been created, we have created you from male and female. There is no third gender. Allah has created either a male or a female. وَجَعَلْنَاكُمْ شُعُوبًا And this is made us into nations and tribes so that we know one another. And then Allah says that you are not going to be judged on what type of house you have. You are not going to be judged on what type of car you have. You are not going to be judged on the degree that you earned at university, etc. But indeed you will be judged by your taqwa. إِنَّ أَكْرَمَكُمْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ أَتْقَاكُمْ That indeed Allah Azza wa Jal is going to honor you. He wants to know. He will look at who is the most pious. إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلِيمٌ خَبِيرٌ And know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is عَلِيمٌ خَبِيرٌ so ya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, Allah azza wa jal does not consider the figures of the slaves, whether they are big, whether they are small, whether they are healthy, whether they are unhealthy. Allah does not look at looks. Oh, mashallah, they beautiful. And other group, no, they maybe not as beautiful as the next one. No. But this is nothing to Allah Azza wa Jal. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He also does not look at a lineage. Whether this group is superior than that group, or they are inferior than that group. Nor does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala look at wealth. He does not consider any of these things. There is no connection between Allah and His creation except with taqwa, with piety, with being God-conscious. And whomsoever is most devout in the nearest to and most honorable before Allah, this is who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks at. So therefore, one should not pride oneself on the wealth that you have. If you have wealth, alhamdulillah. Spend this wealth in the way of Allah Azza wa Jal. If you have beauty, alhamdulillah. If you have a good physique, alhamdulillah. If you have children, many children, that's good. If you have mansions and cars and you can afford this, alhamdulillah. Or anything that is extra in this life, say Alhamdulillah. This is Hada min fadlillah. This is from the bounties of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But know, my beloved brothers and sisters, know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is not the measuring stick. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in His court is not going to measure on the wealth that you have, on the beautiful cars that you have. If you have this, Alhamdulillah, thank Allah. But many don't have this. Most of the people in the world are not as rich. Most of the people in this dunya, they are not. Or they do not have a lot of wealth. They do not have big houses. They do not have beautiful cars. 
They cannot afford to go on international holidays every single year. So obviously Allah Azza wa Jal needs, is looking at one's piety. And this brings me to another point. That sometimes you would find someone, they would say, but this person has a good soul. They don't make salah. They're not practicing Muslims. But he's a very good person. She's a very good person. They don't wear hijab. But no excellent person. No one's denying that they are good people. But also, your taqwa needs to go hand in hand. As Allah repeats this verse often in the Quran. O you who believe. O you believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You believe in. The worship in Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You believe in the year after. You believe in the malaika. You believe in the books. You believe in all these things that Allah orders us to believe in. But it does not just stop there. وَأَمِلُوا salihat. You need to do righteous deeds. You need to pray on time. You need to fast in the month of Ramadan. You need to pay your zakah. She needs to wear the hijab. He needs to wear loose-fitting clothing. So this, my beloved students, this, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, we need to have this as well, that it's not just all about, okay, I'm, he's a good person, mashallah, but we forget the rules of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah has sent Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with certain rulings. And each and every Muslim needs to abide to these rulings. So then the Prophet ﷺ, he carries on and he says, But Allah Azza wa Jal, he looks at your hearts. The hearts are the focal point and this corroborates the hadith with which the author began the book with, where he says that, Indeed, or deeds are considered by its intentions. إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ بِالنِّيَّاتِ So these two ahadith, they go together. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He looks what's in your heart. And the heart, my beloved, to love, is, it is the center of attention. For many, their deeds are apparently good, sound and righteous. But because they are built upon shambles, they can become ruined. Therefore, the intention is the foundation. And intention plays an important role. The intention, it divides an ordinary act from becoming an act of ibadah. Just an act that we do every single day with the correct intention can be rewarded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And let's look at an example. You find two people, they're observing a prayer, the same prayer. They're standing in the same row. They're following the same imam. But the difference between the prayers is 
like the difference between the east and the west. The difference is between the heavens and the earth. Because their hearts are at two different places. The heart of the one is unmindful. Or he might be making salah to show off. And we seek refuge with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from this. He might be taking some worldly benefit. Maybe interested in getting married. And for example, his future wife or the person he's interested in, her father's in the masjid. And he extends his salah, he beautifies the salah so the man can see, Oh, mashallah, tabarakallah, what a pious boy. On the other hand, you find the person, he is Allah conscious. He seeks to gain only the reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He makes salah like how the Prophet sallallahu taught him to make salah. So here we see the heart, same action, same row, following the same imam, but two different intentions and two different rewards they will be getting by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So deeds are considered according to the contents of the heart. Likewise, the rewards on the day of resurrection from Allah Azza wa Jal, who is free from all imperfections. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says in Surah Al-Tariq, إِنَّهُ عَلَىٰ رَجْعِهِ لَقَادِرِ يَوْمَ تُبَلَ السَّرَائِرِ That indeed Allah is able to bring back to life, إِنَّهُ عَلَىٰ رَجْعِهِ لَقَادِرِ Allah is able to bring back to life on the day when all the secrets يَوْمَ تُبَلَ السَّرَائِرِ On the day when all the secrets will be examined as to the truth. We could, on this dunya you can fool. You can fool your parents. You can fool your spouse. You can fool your kids. You can fool the boss. But on the day of Qiyamah يَوْمَ تُبَلَ السَّرَائِرِ That all the secrets will be examined. Everything will be brought out and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us on this day and that we be of those that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will only judge us on that which is good and enter us into Jannah. So this verse alludes to the fact that secrets shall be examined and not the outward appearance. In this world judgments between people are based on the apparent. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, I am only a human being and you sure one another or you sue one another and perchance some of you are better in, at presenting evidences than the other and I would only rule in his favor based on what I hear. And this is for everyone. So there's a case, for example, two brothers, they have a situation. The one is eloquent in speech. The one knows how to speak well. So he comes, he presents his case. The other brother might not be that eloquent. So because someone speaks extremely well, his case is presented better. And the person judging the case maybe takes the case and gives a ruling to the one that speaks better, etc. We do not know what's in the hearts. 
And this is exactly what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is saying. He's saying that I'm only but a human being. And perchance some of you are better in presenting evidences than the other. And I would only rule in his favor based on what I hear. However, in the year after, secrets will be known. And we ask Allah Azza wa Jal to purify our hidden secrets. And assessments will be based on the hidden. If it is good and sound, Bushra alayk, glad tidings upon you. But if it is contrary, then you have missed all goodness. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, أَفَلَا يَعْلَمُ إِذَا بُعْثِرَ مَا فِي الْقُبُورِ Does he not know when the contents of the graves are poured forth? وَحُصِّلَ مَا فِي السُّدُورِ And that which is in the breasts of men shall be known. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He knows. So the assessment will be based on the contents of the heart. For the fact that Allah Azza wa Jal in his book and the prophetic sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam emphasize setting the intention correctly. And the individual is always encouraged to purify his niyyah, to purify his intention. He should rectify his heart, check the doubts in his mind and modify it to the correct yaqeen. So the question that comes up, the question that someone might ask themselves, but how do I do this? Just look at what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, Ponder over the verses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. إِنَّ فِي خَلْقِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَاخْتِلَافِ اللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ لَآيَاتٍ لِأُولِي الْأَلْبَابِ That if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, okay, let's first translate this, that indeed, in the creation of the heavens and the earth, and in the alternation of night and day, there are signs for men of understanding. So if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the most powerful, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one that changes night and day, if he can do all this, then surely he knows what's in your heart. Surely he will present to you on the day of Qiyamah what's in your heart. So if you ponder on these verses and you know the greatness of Allah, then with regards to your intention, you will obviously know that Allah knows what's in my heart, so let me purify my niyyah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says in Surah Al-Jathiyah as well, that indeed in the heavens and the earth are signs for the believers. In, and in your creation and what is scattered through the earth of moving creatures are signs for people who have faith with sincerity. So whenever the devil casts some doubt in your mind, just ponder over the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Contemplate the universe. Think of who created the worlds. Who manages this? Ponder on how the seasons change and how Allah alternates events between people. Then you will recognize that this universe has a manager, that this universe has someone that is a being that is in control of it, who is all wise, who is the almighty, who is the all sublime. This will cleanse your mind from any 
shirk. This will cleanse your mind from any sin. This will cleanse your mind from doing wrong, from disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So someone might ask, but how do I purify my mind from this? That is by telling myself or telling yourself that the people cannot benefit me if I disobey Allah. And they cannot save me from the torment of Allah. If I obey Allah, then they cannot reward me. And rewards and punishment will be given by Allah alone. In this case, why should you join any partner with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Why should you intend to carry favors with the creatures through acts of worship? So whoever seeks to gain closeness to the people through that by which nearness is sought with Allah, Allah will keep away from him and distance the creatures from him as well. There are certain things that only Allah can do. There are certain things that only Allah can give. So why do you need the creation to get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So this is to say that seeking nearness to the people by means of what nearness is sought with Allah will only earn him distance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the people because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if he is pleased with you and he makes the people become pleased with you, then no one can take this away from you. But if Allah is not happy with you, he will direct that the people also become angry with you. And this we seek the refuge from Allah from his anger and from his punishment. My beloved brothers and sisters, we should always rectify our heart. We should do this on a regular basis. Cleanse the heart so that it becomes pure. And when we meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we meet Him with a qalbun salim, with a clean and a pure heart. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Ma'idah, those are whom Allah has not wanted to purify their hearts. So purifying the heart is extremely important. It is an important matter. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to purify my heart and your hearts as well. And to make us of those that are sincere to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and sincere followers of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This brings us to hadith number 8. وعن أبي موسى عبد الله بن قيس الأشعري رضي الله عنه قال سئل رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم عن الرجل يقاتل شجاعة ويقاتل حمية ويقاتل رياء أي ذلك في سبيل الله فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من قاتل لتكون كلمة الله هي العليا فَهُوَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ مُتَّفَكٌ عَلَيْهِ 
Abu Musa al-Ash'ari, he reported that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam was asked about the person who fights in the battlefield. So he says the person that fights out of zeal or he fights out of yani out of riya so people can see what type of person he is or he fights to show people that he is a mujahid etc. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was asked so who is fighting in the cause of Allah? So the Prophet peace be upon him he says that he who fights in order that the word of Allah remains the supreme is considered fi sabilillah. It's considered someone that is fighting in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In another wording of the hadith says and he fights to show his status which of that is in the cause of Allah the Prophet, peace be upon him, he said, He who fights to make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's word reign supreme is in the cause of Allah. He's saying he who fights to make entails making intention for Allah alone, the mighty and the sublime. So here we find that Imam An-Nawawi rahimahullahu ta'ala, he brings this hadith under the section on sincerity of intention. And the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam he was asked about a person who fights for any of three causes. Number one, to show people that he is brave. Number two, for partisanships. He's fighting for his country as we will see a bit later. Or number three, for showing off for riyah. As for the one who fights for the purpose of bravery. It means he is a brave man who loves to fight. This is because a brave person is described as someone that is not scared. That someone that is always willing out to go out and go fight. Hence you will find and discover a brave person loving that Allah should make easy or make fight the fight easy for him so that he can demonstrate his bravery. So he would fight because he is fearless. A fearless fighter. And he loves fighting. So Allah would. You would want that wish that Allah makes his. Fight with someone else. Easy. The second one is someone that fights for partisanship. In favor for his ethnic group. For his tribe. For his nation. And the third one is that someone he fights so people can say, Ah, mashallah, what a beautiful mujahid. Look how brave he was. He sacrificed his life. And this, my beloved brothers and sisters, is not what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants. This is not what our niyyah should be. We should not be doing this for showing off. We should not be doing this so people can say, Ah, mashallah, what a pious person. He reads so much khatams. Look how beautiful. He makes salah. He's always fasting on a Monday and a Thursday. No. Whatever we do, we do it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, I wake up at 4 a.m. every day because I need to make the hajjud. This is between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No one needs to know about this. 
and fighting in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so great. And yeah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is explaining to us. He who fights so people can say, MashaAllah, how brave he is. He who fights so people can say, What a mujahid this is. See how strong he is. And he who fights so people can say, Show off, uh, you know, that he sacrificed this and he sacrificed this. It reminds me of a lengthy hadith narrated by Abu Hurairah radiallahu an. He speaks about that the Prophet ﷺ mentions three people that will be thrown in the fire of Jahannam on the day of Qiyamah, that they will be dragged by their face and thrown into the fire of Jahannam. And one of them is that person that he fights in the path of Allah and he will be brought on the day of Qiyamah. And Allah will ask him about this fight that he did. Another person, another group that Allah speaks or that the Prophet speaks about in this hadith is the alim, is the scholar, is the qari, the reciter of the Qur'an. It will also be brought to Allah on the day of Qiyamah. And the third one is that person that they spend in the path of Allah. So all three of them will be asked, why did you do what you did? And the alim and the qari and the teacher, you will say that we taught for your sake, O oh Allah. We taught for your sake, O oh Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to say that you have lied. And he's going to order the malaika to drag them by their face and throw them in the fire of Jahannam. The second one is the mujahid. Why did you fight? Why are you martyred, etc.? I was martyred so that I fought so hard so that you, O oh Allah, that I can please you so that we can lift kalimatullah, hiya ulya. So we can lift up the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Raise the flag of the deen of Allah. Allah is going to say that you are a liar. You did this so people can say what a brave person you were. And Allah orders the malaika to drag him and throw him by his face and throw him in the fire of Jahannam. The third one is that person that gives charity. Many people, they give charity. He will be asked, why did you do this? He will say, because I did this for your sake, Allah. Allah will say that you have lied. You have lied. And he too will be dragged by his face in the fire of Jahannam. So our intention, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, our niyyah is extremely important. We cannot emphasize the importance of our intention. And this is why the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he shunned all that and he gave a concise statement as a standard for fighting in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He said, ye who fights to make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's word reign supreme is in the cause of Allah. And this can be used for teaching as well, for giving khutab as well, for writing books. That the teaching that you are doing, your writing of kitabs, etc. It is only so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's word can reign supreme. You do not teach, you do not give khutab, you do not write kutub. You do not lead the salah and recite beautifully. For any worldly gains or any worldly benefits of people can say, MashaAllah. But you do this so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's religion, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's word can reign supreme. 
when you give da'wah as well, when you call to the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you do not call to your organization, you do not call to your particular hizb, you do not call to your way of thinking, but you call to that of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and that of the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and that of the first three generations, this is what you call to, you do not call to my organization, or my leader, because then you are just a hizbi, then you are just calling to a cult, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala free us from this, And then we find also this hadith that this is because a man that he may fight for the purpose of occupying cities and towns or for capturing a woman from a particular people to be enslaved and other countless reasons. But this standard that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave to us is the complete and fair criterion that you fight so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's word can reign supreme. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of those. In today's time people, they come under the banner of fighting for nationalism. Whether it is Arab nationalism or whether it is other nationalism. They fight for a particular country. And they fight, this fight is known as fights of ignorance. And know that whosoever is killed in this is not a martyr because he is lost in this world and he forfeited the year after because this was not for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So fighting for your nationalism is a fight of ignorance and it will not benefit the individual in any way. And this is why Islam when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he fought with his companions in various jihads this was all for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this brings us to the next point and this is why you will find that the Zionists they still occupy our land this is why the illegal state of Israel still exists because we have forgotten what the purpose of fighting for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is we have forgotten what Tawheed is we have forgotten what turning back to the Quran and the Sunnah is and this is why we are in the state that we are in today And this brings to mind the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and this hadith is found in the sunnah of Abi Dawood. That Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he explains to his companions that there's going to come a time where you will be treated like food is treated on a plate. This people takes a portion from here. That one just eats from there. That one eats from here. And like that. And the Sahaba, they asked Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, is it because we are so little in number? Is it because we are going to be so few in number? The Prophet ﷺ said, no. 
You are going to be like the foam on the sea. Like the debris on the sea. You are going to be so many in number. But you are going to have wahan. There is going to be wahan in this heart of this ummah. And the companions, being the companions, being those that love the Rasulullah, they loved Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they loved this deen of Allah. So they asked, but what is wahan ya Rasulullah? He said, hubbud dunya wa karahiyatul mawt. It is loving this dunya wa karahiyatul mawt. And it is karahiyatul mawt. Afwan, yes. So he says it is wah, right? Wahan. What is wahan? La hubbud dunya, loving this dunya wa karahiyatul mawt and not wanting to pass away. Or having a dislike to Death. No one wants to die. We obviously know. But point is what the Prophet ﷺ is trying to say that we all going to pass away. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Every soul shall taste death. This is reality. Whether we pass away today, whether we pass away in 30 years, whether we pass away in 100 years, we are going to die. And this is something to prepare for. And this also, my beloved brothers, shows us. And this hadith, it explains the state of the ummah that we find ourselves in today. Then Shaykh Uthaymin, he carries on, rahimahullahu ta'ala, and he says that the disbelievers amongst the Christians and the non-Christians are involved with the non-Arab Muslims are excluded. So you'd find that we've lost Sheikh says that we lost millions of people because of this nationalism. Some people who have no good in them have joined the school. Those who when they join in something, failure and loss are decreed upon it. And like this, the Sheikh, he explains about people that fights for their country. And we discuss this quite in detail. In the first or second hadith where we discussed either the first or the second hadith, I think it was in lesson three or four, where we discuss people who goes out and they fight for their country. And the Sheikh, he mentions this again, which obviously shows us and teaches us an important lesson. And this is that. And the Sheikh, subhanAllah, he passed away years ago. And this obviously shows us that this was something that affected the Arab world. This was something that affected the Ummah. And this is why the ulama, they would speak about this. And this is an extremely important point. That the scholars in whatever society they find themselves in, they are those that the people should go to. They are those that the people that they should go and they should seek assistance. They should seek knowledge. And we spoke about this, we touched on this a bit last week as well. That ask those who know if you do not know as Allah orders this. And also for the students of knowledge, for the ulama, that you need to speak about things that are affecting your community, things that are affecting your society. And if this was spoken about years ago, 
things has obviously gotten worse, not gotten better. And things are obviously going to get worse. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide and protect us. And this brings us to the ninth hadith of the book. And this is hadith وَعَنْ أَبِي بَكْرَةَ ابن حارث الثقافي رضي الله عنه أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إذا التقى مسلمان بسيفيهما فالقاتل والمقتول في النار قلت يا رسول الله هذا القاتل فما بال المقتول قال إنه كان حريصا على قتل صاحبه متفق عليه Abu Bakr Abu Bakr al-Thaqafi may Allah be pleased with him he narrated that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said when two Muslims are engaged in a combat against each other with their swords and one is killed both of them are doomed to the fire of Jahannam so Abu Bakr he asked O Messenger of Allah, as to the one who kills, it is understandable. But why the one who was killed? Why the slain one? He, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, replied and he said that he was eager to kill his opponent. This hadith is found in Bukhari and Muslim. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is saying that when two Muslims face each other with their swords, they are ready to fight. And both of them, they desired to kill each other. And the one he unsheathed his sword against the other one. And likewise, whether it's a sword, whether it's a gun, whether it's a stone, a knife, whatever it might be, objects that are used to kill, objects that are used to fight one another. So here when the word sword is used, it's not only referring to if someone fights with a sword. But for example, someone uses a gun, a stone, etc. as I explained moments earlier. When two Muslims, when they face each other with any lethal device and one of them kills the other, then the killer and the slain will both be entered into the fire of Jahannam. And we seek refuge with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from this. So you might be wondering, but why? And Abu Bakr himself, he wondered why. So he says to Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, as to the one who is who kills, I can understand. That is understood. So someone he shoots someone, we understand that he's going. But why is the other one also in the fire of Jahannam as well? The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he explains that this is because his intention was to fight and was to kill him as well. And this reminds us of the verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about killing a believing soul intentionally. وَمَن يَقْتُلْ مُؤْمِنًا مُتَعَمِّدًا فَجَزَاؤُهُ جَهَنَّمْ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا وَغَضِبَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَلَعَنَهُ وَأَعَدَّ لَهُ عَذَابًا and whomsoever kills a believer intentionally 
His recompense is hellfire to abide therein. And the wrath and the curse of Allah are upon him. And what a great punishment is prepared for him. So let us ponder. Let us ponder on this verse of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That whomsoever may yuqatal mu'minan muta'ammidan. That whomsoever kills a believer intentionally. That his recompense, that his reward for him is going to be Jahannam. It's going to be the hellfire. He will abide therein. And the wrath and the curse of Allah is going to be upon him. And this is a great punishment which is prepared for him. And this is why the ulama of this ummah, the ulama of Ahlus Sunnah wal Jamaah, from the time of the Tabi'een, from the time of the companions even, they would emphasize and they would speak about unnecessary killings. And in particular, they would warn against a group known as the Khawarij. Do they exist today? Yes, they do. And this is why the scholars of today, they speak out against this mentality, against this takfiri mentality, against this killing mentality, that it is fine to take a life of a believer, it is fine to kill the fellow Muslim, because he is not Muslim for such and such a reason, wa na'udhu billah. This is not something far-fetched. How many Muslims even in South Africa, especially in Cape Town? Few years ago in the late 90s, the early 2000s, lost their lives in the name of the fight against gangsterism and drugs. It's not the duty of the community just to take up arms, to pick up arms and go and fight. It causes fauda, it causes havoc. And how many innocent people lost their lives? Muslim innocent people, how many children lost their lives? And see what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. That whosoever kills a believer intentionally, his recompense is in the fire of Jahannam. He will abide therein and the wrath and the curse of Allah will be upon him. And this is a great punishment which is prepared for him. Wallahi, I take a qasam by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you were to stick to the text upon which is Quran and Sunnah, upon the understanding of the pious predecessors of this Ummah, you would not find things like this. You would not find issues that we are finding today. But because we have deviated from the way of the Nubuwa, from the lessons and the teachings of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we find that we are in the state that we are in today. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide and protect us. So Abu Bakr radiallahu an, he says to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as to the one who is killed, that I can understand. And this statement is known in the art of dialogue as at-taslim, acceptance. 
That is, we accept that the killer will be in Jahannam. But what about the slain? Why will ye be in the fire as well? Where ye was the victim. So Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he responded and he says, Because ye too was eager to kill his opponent. He was eager to kill his opponent and this is why he would be in the fire of Jahannam as well. Because he came to the battle as well. He came to this as well with a deadly weapon to kill his opponent. But his opponent obviously outclassed him and killed him. So as a result, and the refuge is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he will be also rewarded for his intention. And his intention was to fight as well. His intention was to kill as well. So this hadith again proves that deeds are judged according to the intention. Because the slain individual had intended to kill his opponent. And he became like the killer. So this right, makes a discern the difference between this hadith and another saying of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So here's a difference. There's a hadith that says, Whomsoever is slain in defense of his blood is a martyr. And whomsoever is killed in defense of his family is a martyr. And whomsoever is killed in defense of his property is a martyr. So here Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is explaining to us that there is a difference between these two ahadith. The hadith that Imam al-Nawawi that we studied in this chapter speaking about two people. They were both ready ready to fight one another, to kill one another. One gets killed, both is in the fire of Jahannam. Why? Because the second one, his intention was also to kill the first one. The second hadith that we're looking at now, that Sheikh Uthaymin brings and he wants to draw our attention to this and to teach us the difference, is where the Prophet ﷺ, where he says that whosoever is slain in defense of his blood, is a martyr. Whomsoever is is killed in defense of his family is a martyr. And whomsoever is killed in defense of property is a martyr. And this is why. So let us look at the difference. The difference between the second hadith and speaking about the three instances and that is a martyr is that someone came into your house. Someone came to you. They tried to rob you. They tried to steal from you. If by incidence you kill him, there's a fight that broke out, and he passes away, you kill him, then he is doomed to the fire of Jahannam. But if he kills you, you are not going to the fire of Jahannam. See the difference. Now you have become a martyr. And this is the difference between the two ahadith. And again, Jazallah khair. We thank our ulama because they had this ability to bring forth and to bring a hadith even without someone asking them a question, to bring scenarios even without someone asking them and maybe that you're sitting in a lesson, it's about two, three hundred, four hundred students. So someone might be thinking that, but he's too shy to ask. So because he's not asking, Allah has even made it and given foresight to our ulama that they have this, where they answer some of the questions of the 
people without them even asking. And this shows you the caliber of the scholar. This shows you the caliber of the alim. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless them all. So he carries on, Sheikh Uthaymin carries on and he says, and that is owing to the fact that the individual is defending his property, his family, himself and his honor is only preventing a transgressor and an assailant who cannot be prevented except by fighting him. So in this case, the Sheikh now carries on and he says, if the assailant is killed, he will be in the fire of Jahannam. But if the individual that is defending is killed, he will be a martyr and Allah who subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, it becomes understood that whosoever kills a Muslim deliberately will surely be in the fire of Jahannam. Likewise, whoever is slain by his brother while he is the slain was intending to kill his brother but was unable to do so because his brother outsmarted him or he was better than him, he also will be in the fire. So this hadith also proves to us, and I made mention to this a bit earlier, that regarding the gravity of killing, and this is one of the ways of entering the fire of Jahannam, and we seek refuge with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from this. This also includes evidence that the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would ask Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam about things which they never understood. Things that maybe seemed a bit difficult on face value, they would ask Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he would respond to it. Thus we would not find any real ambiguity in the Quran and the Sunnah except that its clarification is found either in the same Quran or the Sunnah or by asking the ulama questions and they would answer it. From the lessons in this hadith, that we can take from is that when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam explained that Tajjal will spend 40 days on earth a day will be like a year the second day like a month the third day like a week and the rest of the days like our usual days the companions they asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam Ya Rasulullah, this day will, which will be like a year, will a day's prayer be sufficient therein? He answered, no. Give it, yani, each prayer its measures. So this contains the clearest evidence that all praise is due to Allah, that no ambiguous matter will be found in the Quran and Sunnah without explanation. So what is rather common in today's time, in today's society, is deficiency in understanding making the grasp of explanations possible. And this is something important that we all need to understand. The Quran is there, it is perfect. The Sunnah of Rasulullah is there, it is perfect. Our understanding has some form of deficiency in it. So never say that the Quran is void of this and that. The Quran is only for 1400 years ago. The Sunnah doesn't explain this. Rather but say that it is through my weakness. 
It is through my deficiency in my understanding that I don't understand what Allah means here or I don't understand what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam means in this hadith, etc. And this brings me to the end of our lesson today. That in reality there is nothing wrong with the Quran, there is nothing wrong with the Sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and all praise and thanks is due to Allah azza wa jal for granting us this benefit of being Muslim, for granting us and accepting us of to be of those that follows Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But never for a moment think that the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is deficient. Never for a moment think that the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is something that has some errors in, no. But rather we as an ummah should realize that we are weak. We as an ummah should realize that we have erred and that we should return back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That we should ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide and protect us. That we should ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of those that we can يفكه في الدين that we can have the understanding of this deen and this brings us to the end of the lesson we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide and protect us we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept our the little that we do we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through his divine names and attributes that he eases the affairs of this ummah wherever they might find themselves whether it's in the occupied lands of Palestine whether it's in Syria whether it's in Kashmir whether it's in Central Africa wherever the people that are oppressed that they are suffering may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ease their affairs wa sallallahu ala sayyidina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik ashhadu an la ilaha illa astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh